0: I'm Jeremy Smith and I'm Bill Schneider and you're listening to the 73rd Church Mag podcast. It's mostly a matter of can we afford this we can let's do it as a a bunch of privileged white guys we're very blind to the world that other people are living in.
1: If you can incorporate into that blind spots you are going to be doing better for the sake of the gospel.
0: This week's podcast is brought to you by Finding Faith Inside the Big Blue Box, a Huvian's 30-day devotional written by our very own Phil Schneider. Phil uses Doctor Who as a backdrop for this 30-day devotional that will walk you through some basic elements of your Christian faith. You can download Finding Faith Inside the Big Blue Box from Amazon or visit churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. This week, we talk about the cost of technology, and we're not just talking about dollars and cents. If you want to join the conversation or ask a question, use the hashtag CMAGCAST. Now, let the fun begin. The cost of technology. You know, there's so many ways to count the cost of technology. There's like 1984 Orwellian way to count the cost of technology. There's the um Oh my gosh, that's a really nice Mac something something. Wow, look at that cost! Uh, And then there's even other ways that you count technology, um, especially in the church. You know, how many guys will it take to operate that or keep that updated? There's a lot of ways we count technology, but it seems like in when it comes to church tech. Oftentimes the bottom line comes down to dollars and cents. Has that been your experience, Phil, as somebody who um has been around a lot of church pastors and politics for years and years?
2: Uh yeah. It's mostly what, it's it's mostly a matter of can we afford this? We can, well, let's do it. Well like you're saying, that that's it's only half the equation. You have to there's no point in buying a ten thousand dollar, you know, Studio quality, video you know, camera. camera that's, that's probably cost more than that But uh, studio quality camera If there's no one to actually operate that camera
0: And at that point, you know, it's, it's a big waste of money And I think that that's the thing Is that, you know, everyone wants to be good stewards Which is really good You know, we really do need to be church, church stewards And I think a lot of times that when it comes to church tech A lot of times it's like, oh, what new toy did the boys get kind of mentality going on and where do you think that that comes from is it because historically as church tech guys we've been foolish and we do want the latest and greatest cool gadget or like where's that coming from is it technology has moved so fast and technology used to just be toys and now now they're tools what happened
2: i I think it's mostly just that uh uh, the guys in general are just especially Tech oriented guys. Well, I do think it applies to guys who are big into cars and whatnot, that the, the eyes are bigger than the appetite. You know, you, you want, you, will I can do so much with that and you get it. And you're like, oh, I don't actually have time to do more with this. You know, I don't have, or I don't have the resource. Like, I've got this thing here, but I should actually need this and this and this in order to really do this. And I can't go get those things now. So just, I only have one piece of the puzzle and I can't, I can't, can't finish the puzzle. You know, it, I think, I think it's, Let's jump into this. We'll buy one thing and not have enough to complete the complete the project. What do you think,
0: Jeremy?
1: Oh, man. Um, it's hard to answer. I will give one idea. Um, there was a – I can't even remember where I heard this, but there I've been doing a lot of marriage stuff recently because our, that's what me and my wife are doing together right now, premarital counseling for our church. We're leading that up. And there's this thought out there with men, at least. So I know there's a lot of church tech women, but at least with men, there's this idea that we get into marriage and it can seem like it's a conquest. And so we've officially won the conquest to get the woman. And so what's the next thing we move on to? And for some people that's gadgets, like I'm going to tackle this huge project. And once I do, then I can say, I've finally done it and I can go on to the next conquest. And the problem with that is obviously it's not just a conquest, it's your spouse. It's not just a conquest, it's gonna be what the church actually lives with for the next X number of years. I think with church technology, it gets amplified even more so. I know for me, one of the biggest things is my church youth pastor gave me a chance and I was so excited because he gave me a chance that I wanted to do the greatest thing in the world and whenever I did that, those dopamine receptors shot off because I was doing something amazing. And in his eyes, I was just absolutely winning it. And so, I wanted to keep doing that to keep doing that. And I think that that's a difficult thing as well to have value in that.
0: Yeah, I think I've talked about this before. Um, in in presenting solutions, I recommend that you you pick three three solutions. You you pick a bare minimum this is like the bottom of the line way we can we can solve this problem and then you find the dream solution what would be the most awesome thing ever right And then the mid, like this is something a little in between. This won't be outdated, you know, kind of real in between. And just explain what those are, like the bottom of the line, how long, you know, how long might this solution last for us versus, you know, the second tier and and, and so on. So that people can really see the varying degrees because there are a lot of ways to tackle a, a problem. There's multiple solutions. And so if you can kind of, you know, paint that picture Accurately, They're not going to automatically assume that you're trying to get the biggest and the best right away. That, like, here, here are the varying degrees. Here are the multiple solutions. Every one of these solutions will fit the bill. And here are the pros and cons. This is my recommendation, the one in the middle. What do you think? And, and that's that can be a real a real uh, you know you're educating and you're helping everyone else go through the journey and the process that you've gone through to figure out um, to figure out the solution. And I think that that we can also, as w- when you're faced with something like this, is take another step further, and that is factor in the human costs and the volunteer costs as well. because I've said it before, the advantages that you get from using a tool like buffer for ten bucks a month is far cheaper. Then a volunteer, even a volunteer, which you say, well, that doesn't cost anything. Well, it does cost. Volunteers, if they're not paid... There's still a cost, even if you're not paying them money. There is a human cost to volunteers, and we need to keep we need to we need to make sure that we measure that,
2: especially in churches where, in my experience, it's the same pool of people volunteering. Yeah. What is it? The two percent? So you might you 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 might have the volunteers, quote unquote, but what you really have is you have you know fifteen to twenty people who are constantly volunteering and those are those are renewable resources but you have in order to renew them you must not use them
0: (laughs) right right like Mm -hmm. like if you if for instance you want to do social media better okay or you want to you want to spread out we'll we'll use uh, co-schedule for an example you want to promote content more through you know through your blog post now you could manually you know every day go on there and take your most current post and maybe try to uh, schedule it out or maybe go there every day and pick some posts and, and, and send, a, send a tweet and a Facebook message or just after you've edited and prepared a blog post, go into sco- co-schedule and then plot out every time you want to tweet every time you want on Facebook, LinkedIn you know, wherever you have wherever you're broadcasting it and you knock it all out really quick and it's done. And so that, that, uh, that I think co-schedule is like 15 bucks a month. You know, you, you may save hours, right? Not only not only that is the the, um, you know, possibly less stress because it's taking care of all the automation. And so to me, getting co-scheduled for church mag was a no brainer because it was going to save me so much time, energy, everything. Right. And so so churches can do the same thing. Like, you know, you know, um, you want more Facebook messages or tweets on your church's social media throughout the day. You know, you, having somebody go on there live and doing it is difficult. But if, if somebody could go on there one time a day or at the beginning of the week and plot them out, schedule them, buffer them out. So that they can just drop automatically, they go there, they do it one time, they're done, and so you save you save lots of time that way. And it's and that ten dollars a month for your buffer account is going is is far cheaper than paying somebody to do it, whether they're a volunteer or uh, a paid employee. I'll, I'll put it like
2: this: I think um, the human solution as as a few or the the human costs. There's a few factors to that. You know, do you have people like? We're gonna we're gonna do this thing. We're gonna we're gonna okay. We're gonna buy this tech tool, okay? Or we're gonna start this ministry, or we're gonna have this event, okay? Do you have enough people there, just in general, to do it? Do you have people who are who have been trained to do it, or have the skills to do it, or have the desire to do it? You know, getting the equipment, you know, planning the event is only half the half the battle. You have to have the human component there as well. And I think there's something to be said too beyond human cost there's also opportunity cost. And this is a debate, this is a discussion my church is having uh, to some degree right now. There's a lot of good things we do, but those good things cost us opportunities for great things. You know, and I had this discussion with somebody the other day on one of my blog posts. It's the idea of opportun- opportunity cost. I learned this in my, my one and only business class I had um, in high school and college. And it's one of the best lessons I ever learned. And it's the idea of that when you choose A, you oftentimes... Lose the opportunity to go back and choose B. You can only choose one. If you choose A, you have you have paid for A by not choosing B. It's opportunity costs. And if you if you your church decides to we're going to invest in this new technology, okay. Well, by choosing to do that, you're choosing you will not invest in this other thing over here. You, you've got you've got limited time, limited resources, limited people. And I think that's where churches sometimes make their biggest mistakes. They'll oftentimes choose the good thing, which is which is generally, in my opinion, the good thing often tends to be the easier thing or the thing that they're most comfortable with or the thing closest to what they've, been, they've traditionally done and they sometimes miss out on the great thing that God would rather have them do.
0: Mm. Yeah, the unseen cost. I, I think the same can be said about... You know maintenance. Like if let's say architecturally you're you're building something in the church, and you have a choice of having, like a, a brick a brick railing, a steel rod railing, or a glass railing. Okay, you go like, oh wow, the glass is so beautiful. Let's get the glass. Let's in lots of light. Let's go ahead and do that. So you you know cost wise, it's about the same as all the other solutions. But what you find out is that that glass needs to be cleaned at least once a week. And so suddenly by making making choosing that, making that choice, you have invested thousands of dollars in maintenance just to clean the glass. Whereas those other solutions, there there may not be any if, you know, maybe minor if any costs in maintenance, right? And so there are sometimes hidden costs in the choices that we make in the in, in and, and then we lose those opportunities to spend that money elsewhere because you're wrapped up in, in, uh, the maintenance fees.
1: So for me, one of the, I don't know if you want to go down this road, Eric. So talk, stop me if you want to, but one of the things that's going on in the tech industry right now is should we seek out multicultural, multi-gendered roles with what we're doing? Because if you look at everything that's happening in tech companies right now, it's everything to do with male white people that are of privilege and has very, very few, if any, solutions as far as minorities or other ethnicities or any female gender. And so one of the things that comes up with all these costs, I'm thinking in the back of my mind is, is is your solution male focused? Is it white focused? And if that's the demographic of your church or if it's the exact opposite and you're um, in a black church that has only that, that's fine. But what happens if you could diversify how you approach that, especially when you start to try to reach out to your whole community and even more so when you want to try to get online and do some ministry online, could you do those things better at the cost of recognizing you're going to have to go out and seek that kind of a solution? And I will admit that I have done this before and it has greatly improved how I did ministry because I got a different point of view. Now our church was 99.9% white, but I was very intentional about trying to get women on my team because I didn't have that perspective and I was losing in that cost of trying to be able to do that better. What's a
2: black tech solution look like? You know what I'm saying? I don't want to I don't want to get controversial here but I understand your point to an extent, but I don't. I can't think of a tech solution that would somehow, by its very nature, preclude women or preclude African Americans or any other non-white ethnicity.
1: It's not a matter of precluding them. It's a matter of right now the culture has very slowly changed, but is still pretty much in this idea that women. Get to do cutesy fun stuff. They get to do things mm-hmm. that are very nurturing and leave yeah, the math gonna... and science
0: to us. Oh, we'll have you do social media. See, church tech,
2: and don't get mad, Jeremy. In many ways, has very little to do with math or science. It's it's almost it's almost entirely it's like eighty percent showing up.
0: No, I can tell you, mm-hmm. I can tell you that they're that right now. In the WordPress community, I've followed the tweets and some different people in the WordPress community. There is a huge pushback regarding this because because women are often um, they, they are treated poorly in the WordPress community. Yeah. Seriously, I, I have I've heard about you know I've heard about how they're treated at some of the word camps. There's, I mean, it is, it is boys club to the, to the, to the most worst degree. It isn't cute boys club. It is like disgusting boys club going on. And I think it's a mentality. It's a mentality shift. I think is ultimately what it is because there isn't, you you can't say, well, this is a necessarily a gender specific tech solution or a certain race or certain economic, but it's your perspective when you look at it. I mean, just look at how long it took to have multi ethnic emojis like that took forever now now we finally have them okay and then um working with open church one of the one of the things that we're doing with our platform is we want it to be a global platform, so in doing so, we have to think we have to think um we have to think about things like if you're in sub sahara Africa, what is your internet connection going to look like? Well, number one, it's going to be mobile. And number two, it's going to be slow. So when we approach a tech, when we, when we approach our platform, we are thinking, okay, what is going to work? This has to work mobile. And we want to make sure that we don't have like heavy login, heavy SSL. Like we, we need to, we need to make this, we need to make the barrier, the, the, um, we need to make the barrier low so that people can get over it, because if you're in sub-Sahara Africa, you're not going to have a super high-speed connection, right? And you're not going to have to – you don't want to deal with lots of logins and stuff like that. We can have that as an element for those that want to use it, but we need to make sure that, that, that we include everyone in that, in in that as well, um, and so I think really it's a mindset is what Jeremy is putting at because, like you said, like how can it be gender, or race specific with your tech solution? Well, if you start, if you start thinking in those terms, thinking more broadly, I think you'll be surprised with how often it may actually turn up because I think as a, a bunch of privileged white guys, we're very blind to the world that other people are living in. Yeah. And I think
1: that if you I think that if you make it just about the physics with the electricity going from one point to the next point then Absolutely, It doesn't matter what gender or race you are, but once you start adding in the budgets and the awareness of the room and how you're impacting people during worship and trying to work with the worship team before and after, as well as the pastors, if you're trying to be able to recruit other people to join your team, if you're trying to develop what camaraderie looks like, if you're trying to make an impact in your church and community, it has nothing to do with the physics. And it's absolutely trying to invest in that relationship Beyond, but including
2: culture, Yeah. You know, I I, I want to be careful here too because there's definitely an issue. Um, I uh, the like, the whole GamerGate thing last year was, or earlier this year, maybe it was, was just just further proof the internet has not been the great globalizing force we think it is. You know, it was all it does is all it does is amplify our preconceived notions, our our stereotypes, and our, our deeply held prejudices. But I think sometimes we can create the the church. It can be one of the slowest moving cultural forces in the world. It's just it's just painfully slow. Just ridiculous. Okay, absolutely. And and I've said this before, but but for the church to to serve the infinite Creator, we are sometimes infinitely uncreative and infinitely uninnovative. It's just amazing how how terrible we can be in, this, in these areas. But sometimes too, I think some well intentioned people uh, in the church can begin looking for solutions to problems that don't exist. You, does it make sense? Like if someone were come to me and say, Pastor, I want to uh, implement some things here to increase the diversity of volunteers we have in the sound booth, I would say, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's, that's fine. Let's, let's do that. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you can't increase the diversity of the sound booth when our church is 99.9% white people. You know? So it's... Sure. That's and that's where you need to increase the diversity of our church. But then again, our church is situated in a community that's ninety five percent white people. So we're not too far off our demographics. And that's where I think I want to be careful here because I don't want people to start thinking, "Why I I got to solve the problem of getting getting rid of all these white males in the sound booth?" Well, not necessarily. You know, it's it's all all of your ministries should reflect the demographics of of your situation.
1: And I don't think you get rid of anybody. Oh I don't no, that I do not saying that. I oh, know you weren't saying that. I got that. But you, but you, but you go for trying to understand where your blind spots are, and I think that yeah. if you can incorporate into that blind spots, you are going to be doing better for the sake of the gospel.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that too, there's some ministries will always be um, uh, some groups. Uh, this doesn't sound terrible. I can't think of a better word, though. But, but I'll, I'll say like this nursery workers will always be predominantly female. There might be some men in there. I'm not saying there shouldn't be, but it will be predominantly female. And I think that by and large, like tech stuff will still be predominantly male, but you need to have your eyes open. I'm not saying we should hold to that or or look to to do that. You make it a rule, but we should accept the fact that it might always be that way. Okay. Or that for the the time being until the larger culture shifts and we, and we, and we begin to uh, encourage, young women to do more from a, a an engineering or a, a computer, a computer tech uh, b- background for their, for their schooling, it's going to be that way. And we don't need to, we don't need to force diversity. We need to encourage diversity.
1: There's a difference though, between trying to uh, recognize what could be and what your intentionality is. And I think you don't actually force diversity, but you in, in the biggest debate is, is are people just doing it for the sake of doing it? It's because they want to have a good perception and that in and of itself is wrong. But if you allow yourself and force yourself to realize some of the best consequences, and I mean, consequences in a positive term, if you have some of the best consequences in this process, because you have forced yourself to understand that there might be deficiencies then you are actually extremely growing yourself in that process. And so I, I recognize that's but that's a huge debate of people are just doing it for the sake of doing it when that's not the case. We're just willing to let ourselves have that blind spot, which is a huge counseling issue. But we won't get into that because we've had enough time psychotherapy time. So I think that recognizing that's. Our own deficiencies play out in our even our deci- decision of, no, I don't want to do this because it's a waste of time and you're just forcing us to do something we don't want to do.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of this has to do with mindset, because I would challenge anybody when you th- if you think of people that you can recruit for tech in your church, chances are you're, you're not you're not thinking of somebody who's who's female. Absolutely. I mean, let, let, let's let be honest. I mean that—that's what happens when you go to recruit. What are you thinking of? The best white guy I can get.
2: Exactly. I, I would—I would argue best guy. That—that's the default people from. But I don't think people default to race. I remember mean, they do, but I don't—I don't necessarily do that. Then again, I don't—I don't have the options. in My church does do
0: I've seen some some memes and funny videos uh, done by Asians for Asians about stereotypes. I think there's plenty of Asian stereotypes out there that would then would would play an interesting. They, they would have an interesting take. You know, they go into a church. Are they suddenly trying to be recruited for tech because they're Asian? I mean, I, I can't help but wonder. I have no clue, right? But, I mean, stereotypes, even within race and tech, I'm pretty sure happens. Um,. As well, and I, I think really it's just i think being mindful of it and knowing it 's there is really is really the first step in in fighting that and being in, in having you know when you think of who you 're recruiting when you when you begin to think of those things, being mindful that that's that you do have that prejudice going on i 'm not saying racist or sexist i 'm just saying pre- prejudice i mean I have prejudice what kind of what kind of food I like to eat I mean we all have prejudices right. So recognize that you, you probably have a prejudice and then and move from there. And I think that, you know, like you, were, we were talking about the culture hasn't changed or this or that. And Jeremy said it many times. We're the church. We should be leading the cultural change. So let's start changing our mindset and let's start changing it now. And as a church tech community, I think that that is wise. And, you know, we first started this episode Talking about the cost of technology, and I had no idea that we would be talking about the cost as far as our culture goes with making tech choices. I had no clue. I I don't know how we got here, but here we are. This is definitely a cost that you should consider with Church Tech. Thank you for listening to us this week. We would love to listen to you. Tell us what you think and use the hashtag CMAGcast, and you're sure to get a reply. You can also submit any comment, question, or podcast ideas by using our fancy online form at churchmag forward slash riddle me this. There have also been rumors that we like iTunes reviews, so uh, show us some love. Until next week. All right, you guys are so ready to go now. I can, I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. You guys are ready. Nothing? You got nothing for that? <laughs>
1: We'll yeah. see. Yes. Maybe the best answer was to not
0: respond. And clearly, that was the best. That was the best. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com.
2: I will admit, Eric, I understand
1: what you're doing right now, but you sit there with the podcast and you're sitting there
2: editing and you're, I can just imagine yourself snickering. <laughs> I got him this time. <laughs>